Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X. On the Money is presented by Embassy National Bank, and we are a nationally chartered financial institution. Our deposits are insured by the FDIC. On this show, we discuss topics designed to help small businesses become more successful because at the bank, we want to help small businesses succeed. I'm Joe Moss, the president at the bank, and we welcome you to the Subaru of Gwinnett studio. And we're inside the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. Uh, If you haven't been here off of 85 and Pleasant Hill, uh, make a stop. Great place to stay during the week, weekend, whatever. So we have a repeat guest today. We said we were going to have him on again, Mark Danolo. And uh, Michelle Seeger joins us. Yes. <laughs> Michelle, you're you're new now. Are you new to the company? I am not new to the company, no. Okay. Um, you weren't with us the last time. I was not. They, they let me out of the office. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Mark, you started the company and you are the uh, managing partner, managing director of salesglobe.com. That's right. Correct. So tell us again what salesglobe.com does. Well, we focus on developing solutions for sales organizations, typically mid to large size companies around areas like how they develop their sales strategy, how they go to market, what customers they focus on, how they design their sales organizations, how they pay their people, think of commission plans, and also how they plan their accounts, their account strategies. And as I recall, the last time we talked, we were able to wrap it all the way into the comp plans and even talked about tying in the back room and and it was a fruitful conversation, I believe. We got into the details of, yes, of, of good. the motivation okay. side. Exactly. And Michelle, what is your specialty with the company? So for as long as I can remember, I'm actually, I've been interested in people. Change management is the area of focus that I have. So when we look at the revenue roadmap that you all have talked about and the things that we do at Sales Globe, I'm really focused on the impact on people and how you actually get them to embrace and move forward with the change and support it. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily process change, but more methodology change, thought change. That's exactly right. Um, when you think about change management, I'm also the global practice lead. So we think about um, something that we call global harmonization as well. And it's bringing people around from different cultural backgrounds and just um, bringing them around the strategy of the company. It could be anything throughout that revenue roadmap. The discussion we had last time having to do with optimizing the sales strategy is very uh, apropos today because last week, as I mentioned to you, we had a a product kickoff from Volkswagen relative to their new car and it was their Southeastern kickoff at the time we were talking about a brand and we happened to get one of their salespeople in and we asked him about the product and he said a little bit something different than what the brand poster was saying Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i guess that's a big issue with companies isn't it you got to get everybody on the same page that's a great point so what may be communicated by the company publicly or even communicated by leadership doesn't always show up with what happens between the salesperson and the customer. 
So how do you take that value proposition or that message? How do you translate that all the way out to the frontline level? You know, and as Michelle was talking about change, that's one of the big factors there is how do you get people to embrace those types of new messages, embrace those types of changes and drive that all the way through? Because the only way it works mm -hmm. successfully is that it comes from the top all the way through to the customer. So, Michelle, what kind of strategies do you recommend to make sure all that happens? Is it just training or is it more than that? No, it actually is more than that. So the first thing that I think a company needs to do when they're looking at change is getting buy-in and advocacy. So including people in at the very beginning is very important. A lot of times a company rolls something out or they want to do it and it's all done behind the scenes and closed doors. So getting them involved early on is key to getting the buy-in. In other words, we have this new product and and aren't we great and we've developed it in the back room and here now you sell it. That's exactly right. Yep. And the salespeople go, well, here we go again. That's exactly right. They sure do. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like you've done that before. <laughs> I've been victim of it right, before. Right. I, try, I have tried not to do that, um, but uh, I certainly have witnessed and, and felt the repercussions of, of that. Mm. So... Mark, you're working on a new book, mm -hmm. and I understand that, uh, Michelle, you play a big part in this, too. So talk about the new book. So what we do, Joe, is we try to look for pain. And one of the areas of pain that we see in companies is around incentive compensation. That's why we wrote the book around incentive mm -hmm. compensation. Another area we saw that was a pain point was around new ideas or innovation. So how do we stop replicating the old processes? That's why we wrote the innovative sale. The new book is about a point of pain we see, which is how do I grow and penetrate my accounts? How do I deal with developing a good plan or a good strategy for the largest accounts, which usually comprise a lot of the uh, majority of the business for a company? Uh, think of it as account planning. That's what it, the way it's commonly known. So the new book is called Essential Account Planning. And it's about five keys to accelerate growth. And it's about getting beyond the account plan document that everybody dreads. You know, you've got to create the account plan for the major account. And we spend all that time working on it. And then it goes back in the drawer until we pull it out next year. So how do you turn that into a living process? Well, let me ask you, Michelle, a lot of the small businesses I know are small are, are product driven. Mm -hmm. The account plan is something they really don't even worry about. So do you run into that a lot? Not on the radar. Uh, we do run into it at companies large and small. So I was a small business owner. Um, I owned seven retail stores, an international franchise. What was my approach to account planning? Huh. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't quite the same approach that we have at Salesforce. So what kind of company did you have? Mm -hmm. Um, Italian ceramics and home accessories. Okay. So, it was so like, you just wanted to get product out the door. I did. With big margins. I did with really big margins. Yep. So what did, how did you handle account planning in that? Well, you know, I owned the PNL and I cleaned the toilets. It was really hard. So I kind of did a little of, of everything. Um, but my approach to it, you know, I was a consultant and I always look at everything very methodically. And although I did not go through what we go through at Sales Globe, I actually did look at what was of interest to my buyers. So I did voice a customer very early on. I would see what was selling and what wasn't. So when you think about my products coming over from Italy, oh gosh, the first shipment had 38. I'll never forget the number because it was a lot, even though it seems like a little. 38 polenta servers. 
I don't know of anyone, very expensive. I don't know of anyone who actually uses them here in the States. And so what I had to do was really look at what are my clients buying? And and we actually tailored our product to that. So VOC, very important. So your quote, mistake, but by the way, I love hearing about mistakes. And <laughs> you should know it. everybody would prefer to hear about mistakes than successes. Did you know that? You know, what is it that people like tragedy over happiness? I'm not sure. But yeah, you're right. They went, they, they learned from that. <laughs> they they learned, learned from that. Right. They learned from and the you mistakes. Learned from, you learned, we yeah. all learn from mistakes. Yeah. So um, in this idea of product drive, product drive, margin drive, Mark, what kind of stuff have you seen in the uh, where people have moved to an account management process? Well, I think first point is this is really something that fits with business to business selling. So it's not really business to consumer. So if you're a company that sells to other companies, large or small, it's getting beyond just looking at what you're selling to them and looking at who you're selling to. Account planning will typically apply to the accounts that are, are the ones that comprise the largest amount of revenue or the largest amount of potential for the company. So what we, the, the way to get to that is to understand who those accounts are, first of all, and then to have a methodical approach for understanding what we're doing within the account and what their needs are. So getting into the buyer level, who your buyers are and understanding what their pain points are, and then starting to build a set of goals, a strategy, and then an action plan to do that. And one of the keys is not just going through the steps, but one of the keys is turning that into a living process. So once we do it, we're actually using that as really the business plan for how we're going to go to market or go to business with that particular client or that particular customer. So for some companies, because some of these accounts are so large, these become business plans for significant pieces of the company's operating revenue. You're hitting on a philosophy here that I think everybody needs to hear, and that is you're driving this process from the customer standpoint, not the corporate product standpoint. Correct. And we don't all know that, do we? No, see, I think we tend to be self-focused or self-centric as we start and we think about here's my business, here's what I sell, here's what I offer, who can I sell this thing to? And I'm talking about the things that I'm going to offer. One of the ways you can look at it is if you ask for a company's information, their revenue information, and and you talk to them about what they're doing, and if all that tends to be product-centric or service-centric versus here are the customers that we're working with, we start to, you, you can start to see that difference. So it's really just spinning it in the other direction. It's saying, yeah. you know, what, what's our core competency as an organization? And the products themselves, the services themselves are often a vehicle to get that core competency through to a customer. So really you think about it as our competency and what can we do to serve a customer. The product or service is kind of in the middle, that's incidental. Really interesting. You want to add to that? Yeah, so um, I, I and I can pull it back to small business as well. So Mark is right. I mean, I, I think that the um, clearly he's right, but the voice of customer, it's one of the most difficult things to to um, persuade our clients to make to incorporate into the account planning process because really what what happens is that the business leaders and the sales associates believe that they know better than the customer actually. And when I think about small business and I think about the, the company that I had, it was these beautiful Italian products that were used in Europe that didn't necessarily translate fully here to the United States, even the colors, right, and, and how things went together. 
you know, I had to talk to my clients because I'm wondering, okay, why isn't this flying off the shelves? And we adapted accordingly. But that VOC at the, whether you're talking about an enterprise level company or a small business, it's really important and it's very simple to get. Well, Mark, if you're doing this one, you get to know your customer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a requirement. If you're going to build Foundation. a plan for them, you're going to, right. the, the, you have to go through and get to know your customer. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that that may drive more product development as well. Yeah. Because a lot of times people will buy from you because they trust what you do and how you sell it. So they may have a need for something else that you may not deliver, but you may think you could. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 And I think, um, you know, go back to that point on core competency, that is a defining piece because you may need to alter your service. You may need to alter your product. And if you think about your largest customers, it actually may be worth doing that. There may be a case to do that. But, but Joe, you bring up a good point about knowing your customer. One of the pitfalls in account planning is saying, okay, we're going to do the account plan. It's going to be for, you know, Acme Corporation, our large customer but we do it from our own point of view. We don't actually speak to them. We don't actually understand what it is they're looking for. And so having that conversation with the customer is essential to be able to get in and understand what they're looking for and even to tell them what you're you're doing for them. We're trying to develop an account plan, Joe, for your business so we can determine how we can best help you, help us to do that for you. So opening that conversation is is really important. You know, because that starts, that gets back to the, main part of being successful and that's helping mm-hmm. a customer solve their problems mm-hmm. right right um well let's go through the, the steps if you don't mind because this is uh, for some of our small businesses that we deal with at the bank for example hotel owners they need to do this they need to get their another customer a little bit more you know what are they looking for what can they do different what kind of scheduling pricing those kind of things what can they do different and I, and I think that starts making the customer feel like that, that hotel, when I come this way, is where I'm going to stay. Mm-hmm. So it, it cuts through everybody, doesn't it? Yes. And the, and the convenience store owner. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of guys that own convenience stores, and they're able to, um, some of them say, well, I have these apartments over here. So I went over there, and I found out what they wanted, and that's what I put on my shelves. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Sales are boom, you know. Right. They know he's got it. They know it's convenient. They're going to come buy it from him. Right. Yeah. I think part of it is getting past the point of, I know what's best for my customer. Yes. And yeah. I'm smarter than my customer getting past that point and saying, you know, asking what is my customer looking for and having that conversation. Right. And whether that's on a small scale, like you mentioned, if they're apartments to a convenience store or it could be on a large scale, which is, you know, a, a very large customer, it's, a, it's really important to have that conversation going. All right, so we all get on the same page. Why don't mm-hmm. you define account planning as best you can? Well, I'll give you the perceived definition of it for, uh, for most companies to start with, which is it's that painful thing we have to do at the end of every year to plan for next year. And our team was instructed to do it. We have to present it to management. It's a big PowerPoint. It's usually about 50 pages. And... We, uh, we go through a lot of stress to get it together. And once it's done, I'm glad because I can get back to my job. That's the traditional <laughs> definition of the account plan. The, and uh, no one seems to really look at it anyway, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. We get, we get through they that. They just want that me exercise. to make my numbers. Right. right. That's right. 
which is one of the challenges with account planning. What we'll talk about, I'm sure, as we go here, which is salespeople want to sell. They don't want to do planning. They want to be out right. in front of people. I don't want to sit in a conference room and try to you know, work through things that I'm, I'm uncomfortable doing. It's taxing parts of my brain that I'm not uncomfortable using. So if you look at the <laughs> definition of account plan in terms of the way we think about it, it's really an action plan to achieve a sales goal and it's supported by a living process. So an action plan is basically saying, I'm going to do these things to reach my goal. Think about that as a strategy. And then the living process, make sure that we enable that and we follow it through during the course of the year. But as part of this though, shouldn't the folks that run the company get a hold of that before they finalize goals? Great point, right? So that that's a good debate, which is how do the account plan and the goal setting process go together? Mm -hmm. uh, very often, we can find good information in the account plans that we can use for the goal setting process. Uh, but we also have to be careful not to corner people into sandbagging because if they if they say, well, if I develop this account plan and I put all these opportunities in here, it's just going to increase my goal, right? Right. So account planning can actually be an effective method for, for getting information for the goal setting process, but there has to be a certain level of trust with the sales team that you're not going to use that information against them. Yeah, I, under, I understand. All right. So um, great definition, by the way, I'm glad you pointed out the pain of it where mm -hmm. it should be a productive process. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kind of like a business plan when you're starting up a business. It's not just something you should do. It's what it's something that'll make you successful. And how many businesses, uh, and I've run a few venture, venture back startup myself, uh, startups, and, and how many of those businesses do we develop business plans? And then that becomes kind of a memorialized document and it doesn't really become an operating document. Right. Right. Some idea. Right. Lots. All right. So let's go through the, let's go through the steps. Um, or, or, or the points we want to make about account planning. So what, Number one is competition is out there. So talk about that. I know that, but talk well, about it from your perspective. Right, we, we do know that. And if we, like a lot of sales organizations do, if we wait for the opportunities to come in and say we know who our top five or our top 10 accounts are, and we do business with them because we hear from them, we, you know, we, we maintain relationships with people that we know in those accounts, and opportunities come along. Maybe an RFP comes along, a request for a proposal comes along, or they call us for certain things. But the competition is also working with those accounts if they're large accounts. So the question is, how do you get an advantage on the competition? And one of the ways to do that is to be proactive in terms of how you're approaching that account. So if you think, uh, use a bank as an example. So if we're working with, say, a, a good-sized regional bank, and that tends to be, that's one of our major accounts. If I say, well, you know, I, I work in, we do a lot of work with the, uh, the, the credit card division. That's great. You know, we do, do a lot of business there, and, and the rep uh, is, is very comfortable with that. He's hitting his numbers. But who else is doing business with the other divisions in that bank because the rep has certain relationships, you know, reps tend to work where they're comfortable. So, uh, and when, where they're accepted, right? So if we just pursue it as business as usual, we're not going to probably go much further than that unless somebody happens to reverse over, or we happen to get over to another part of the bank. So somebody else is actually working in that bank. If we do an account plan, 
we can start to be proactive against the competition. We start mapping out what that bank looks like in terms of the divisions or the business units. We start mapping out who the key people are there. We start looking for partners to introduce us to those key people. We start getting access. We started putting goals on ourselves, not just for revenue, but in terms of certain actions to take. So the point on competition is you've got to figure out what you're going to do that's going to be different than your competition. And chances are uh, they're there and they're probably planning if you're not. That's a good point. Um, I like where you're going with that. So, Michelle, how does this, what do you, within the training or the um, process, I'm sorry, the, the change management that you do, what kind of strategies do you do to convince that credit card guy that it's okay to introduce his accounts to other people in the organization? That's actually a good question. So when you think about the account planning process and you start internally, what we recommend, and I'll, I'll give an example of a company that I worked with last fall and it was beautiful. This client, it, it was uh, one of their clients was a major university and they provide food services and high competition, very highly competitive, very few players and long-term relationships. So what they did internally, what we recommended, um, we got together a cross-functional group of anyone and everyone who could potentially have access to that particular account and even that region. And they started talking about just having some conversations, who knows who and what's going on and, and what other, and, and what happens through this process of sharing it. It's like magic happens every single time. All of a sudden you begin to understand and realize that there are other connections in that account where you thought there were none to be had. I'm very excited because we're going to be putting this principle to um, practice in the next month with another client. And it does happen to be in the banking industry. And the thought process is I've completely tapped out right? This one area, let's call it credit card. It happens to be another area. And there's no way this particular rep has been able to tap into anywhere else in this big bank. Well, we're going to beg to differ because everybody goes to these conventions. We've, we at Sales Globe, and, and when you talk about an organization, they've done some homework around who's going where. They're at conventions and trade shows and, and things. And um, what I suspect will happen is what happens every time is we'll begin to understand other connections and ways in. Another key point around that is companies also like and value talking to leaders, mm -hmm. leadership. Um, we had a president of a company just tell us the other day, we hate to say it, but titles matter. And so also it's who is wanting to explore the expansion of a relationship. So a leader that can provide something of value to a client can often get the ear of them and it can open up other doors. So to, to that point though, it, and that you're making Michelle on the rep who say is in that credit card division, we have to look at the motivation of that rep to expand mm. the account. Sometimes they're not motivated. Great Sometimes point. they're yes. paid well, they're comfortable. And, and if I, as the rep open that up to other people in, our, in my organization, that represents a threat. Yeah. So if somebody else is coming into my account, they're going to either find other opportunities, they're going to make me look bad because I haven't expanded the account. So we've mm. got to bring that up above the rep to the company level. It becomes the company's relationship, not That's the rep's relationship. That's kind of stuff that I've noticed. And, yeah. and worse, intercompany rivalries. Well, I can't introduce them to that group because they don't do a very good job, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So yep. you end up, they end up controlling the revenue because they don't want to introduce anybody in there. 
So you got to stay on top of them to do that. Mm -hmm. They also may not be comfortable because they don't understand the other product or they hear somebody say something and within that customer and they go, well, I know we kind of do something like that, but I don't understand it. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, well, let me have you talk to so-and-so. Right. A lot of human nature goes into this. It's yeah. not just about, you know, the, the boxes and the wires and, and the, uh, mm-hmm. the strategies, but it's about people's motivations. Right. Well, and the other thing, we're in the middle of this right now at, at the bank. And the fact of the matter is we just to survive coming out of the Great Recession, we were very product focused and we wanted to, to push a handful of products that we knew we could make a lot of money on um, just so we could get capital going and get the bank going again. And now we now we look around and realize, hey, we're pretty good at some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we're starting to look at our customer data, and we find out that there are a lot of our customers that have one product with us, one yeah. thing they do with us. But yet, on that one thing, we really saved them. Mm-hmm. So what else can we do with that? You know, And so we're trying to get that whole concept going. So when you look at the current state of the account, one of the first steps in the account planning process, you're going to be doing what you just described, Joe, is you're going to be doing a white space analysis, which is we've got five or seven products. Let's look into that, into that account and our other top accounts and see how penetrated we are and where the white spaces are where we're not selling. And if you have a situation like you just described where you've been very successful with a product, you've built uh, credentials to be able to go further, to be able to do more with them. But if we don't do that evaluation, we don't really know what's what the opportunities are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can build upon uh, the conversation we had two weeks ago is that uh, you got to find out what the customer thinks of you. Yeah. So, you know, part of that discussion with the customer will lead you to the path of saying, well, maybe we could do some other things. Mm-hmm. Right. So think, yeah. thinking about access, and Michelle talked about voice mm-hmm. of the customer, that's a really important piece, which is getting that input from the customer building the relationship as a coach to the point where they feel comfortable being able to help you out. And so it's the relationship, there's affinity in that relationship and, uh, and ultimately you want them to be able to uh, help you, you know, be successful, which which helps them too. Shell, I think this next one, I'm going to let you lead off with account plans, coordinate teams, Uh, five reasons account opening account planning can make a difference. Number two, account plans coordinate teams. Talk about that. Yeah. I so, think we have been, right? Yeah, we really bit. have okay. been. We okay. have been a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, again, that's where we talked about the magic happening. And so you have to have, they coordinate teams because right now what happens in mm, most of our clients is you've got multiple people that are actually in an account that can happen and they don't even know it. And maybe somebody is really doing well and getting somewhere and and somebody else is not. Other times they're overlooking a complete opportunity and they have this connection, but they don't see what that opportunity can be again, because they're not talking. So what the account planning process, what, what we recommend is you get everyone together that would have anything to do with that account, right? You have an owner of that account clearly, but other people that would have access to that account. And you you involve individuals, especially if you're trying to figure out who has access, like the subject matter experts, like you know, different functional areas. Everybody has a role. So from getting the lead, from turning it into an opportunity, all the way through delivery, everyone has a role in the success of that account. 
So that's how it actually brings everyone together and puts them on the same page. And when you start to see success around that, that's when it encourages the team to continue. In my consulting days, I was at uh, the firm KPMG, Uh and they provide a lot of different consulting services. They provide tax. They provide audit, actuarial services. They do a lot of different things. But they established in these for these bigger accounts, they established a whole new position called relationship manager. Mm-hmm. And their one job was to make sure that they knew whenever that bank was buying consulting services, that they knew what they were buying and who they're going to buy it from. And then the question is, how come you didn't get in there first so that we could have gotten one of our people in there? And then that supported the product group and the product got in and just sold the product and got the thing done. And is that something that a lot of companies are moving towards or, or is the product guy becoming the relationship manager just because they haven't thought of it or, or how is all that working these days? Well, it's interesting you mentioned KPMG because we actually did work with KPMG on the largest global accounts, the top 40 largest global accounts. And those are exactly the kind of issues we were dealing with. One of the additional complexities that KPMG has is, is they have separate P&Ls by country, which mm-hmm. makes managing a global account even harder because you've got yeah. country-level P&L motivators that are... Geographic P&L tracking. Yeah. Right. How ancient is that? Right. So Well, I guess they have to because they got to account for it that way, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean they have to run their management reporting that way, right? Nope, nope. And, right. And, but, but go back to behaviors. It's management mm-hmm. reporting, but it's also incentives. So if I'm a country manager and I'm paying on the success of the country... And we're working with uh, Microsoft as a client, as an example. I'm concerned about how Microsoft is doing in Germany, but I'm not really concerned so much about how Microsoft is doing in other parts of, of Western Europe. So you're looking mm-hmm. at those motivators. To your point on, on how companies are structuring and the point about bringing the teams together, there are roles to be defined, and you, you define yes. one of them with the KPMG example. But uh, the product guy is not necessarily the person in front of the customer. Typically, what we'll see is it will be the, the SAM, the strategic account manager, or the MAM, the major account manager, who's the front person that's coordinating the quarterback of the account, if you will. And that person is bringing together all those other roles. So they could be account managers in different regions mm-hmm. or covering different business units, certainly people from product or from marketing people from operations, people from innovation, um, sometimes uh, people from finance, depending on what we're doing, if we're making major investments for that customer. So it's a whole coordinated team. So, you know, we're uh, watching the final four now. So, you know, good analogy (laughs) is, can you imagine what any of those teams would be without a plan? You have a lot of talented players, but you must have a game plan to pull everything together. And that's really what what this is about. And it's not about points it's not about assists it's not about i don't know three pointers or whatever it's about point it's about winning the game it's about the team winning right and so i'm a carolina grad and carolina sets up its account plan and its account plan is how are we going to win the national championship and what it does is it puts together an action plan and it says well we've got to do certain things we've got to practice certain ways we've got to win certain games and then the real game goes on when we have the field of, of 64. But there's an entire plan. There's an entire strategy behind that. And to your point on competition, 
Well, Kentucky has a plan or had a plan. Right. And so every team has a plan. Every competitor has a plan. Right. So you've got to have a good plan. You've got to work hard to it, and you've got to play the roles. In fact, that's what the, in the NFL is somewhat surprising. The, the Falcons had a developed a plan. How are we going to win a Super Bowl? It came short, but they're beginning of the year. How are we going to – what's our five-year plan to win a Super Bowl? Not every team does that. They can't even get people in the same room sometimes. Mm-hmm. But they 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 were able, I guess that's what Arthur told them. Look, I want to get the Super Bowl, so there's my objective. Uh, you guys figure it out. I want everybody working on the same page. You guys figure it out. And you had a, a real CEO, Arthur Blank, who's used to doing that type of thing. He states a goal for what Home Depot was going to do. And, mm-hmm. and so he did the same thing for the Falcons, and they responded to that. Yeah, don't you know he was the target of a um, Jillion account plans over the years too. So all the his, <laughs> all, all right. his different suppliers. Really <laughs> that, interesting. That's, that's all right. Um, we're you know what we're almost running out of time. This is really bad. Number three, your account is one piece of a larger puzzle. Talk about that. Well, the larger puzzle is the company's business plan. It's what we had alluded to before. So the business plan is we want to grow to X million dollars, X hundred million dollars, X billion dollars over the next three to five years, whatever the time frame may be. So usually you're setting a goal, you're setting a time frame that creates a trajectory. But the parts of that plan are the accounts that make up where that revenue is going to come from. So if we take that plan and break it down and say, for example, we want to be a hundred million dollar company in the next three years. So how are we going to get there? Well, if you look at your accounts, we ask, where's the revenue coming from? A certain portion it's coming from retained revenue, a certain portion is penetrated revenue into the current accounts, and a certain portion is uh, new revenue from acquired accounts. Break it down further. Well, what are those accounts? We've got, if you run the Pareto analysis and you look at which accounts make up the largest amount of revenue versus the old 2080 the rule, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So if you, if you look at that rule, you can then find the 20% or the 15% or whatever that number is that makes up uh, the majority of your revenue, the 80% of your revenue, you're trying to find the inflection point where you can find the few accounts that make up the bulk of that revenue. Those accounts become the biggest piece of that puzzle that you're then going to build your plan from. You can't just say, well, we're going to be a $100 million company. Let's go yeah. work harder and sell more stuff. Yeah. Well, I wanted to stop you there. I'm, I'm going to let you go on, but I'm not. I used to think that way. Well, we want to be a $100 million company. Bankers think that way. Mm-hmm. we got to be a $500 million asset bank because that helps us with regulation. Mm. Well, you go to, you take that, and then you sit down with your lenders, your support team, your operations function, and you say, our goal is to become a $500 million bank. They're just going to look at you and go, okay, how? Okay. So. I think you got to have all this in place before you can determine how big you're going to get. Right. How and, and what does it mean to me? Right. So you can, well, I, I, I think you've got to first set your aspirational goal. And they, they really do go hand in hand. But I think you first got to say, we want to be a $100 million company or yeah. $500 million bank. We, yeah. And here's why we want to do that. Okay. How do we get there? I mean, Arthur Blank, if he said, we want to go to the Super Bowl. People would have said, yeah, great. Well, how do we get there? So you've got to set that big goal. You've got to set the, the, you know, mm-hmm. the hairy, yeah. audacious mm-hmm. goal that kind of scares people a little yeah. bit. And then you start to build behind, okay, here's how we're going to do it. And here's what it means to you, to each person, right. because they've got to internalize it to really work hard for it. Right. Yeah. 
Can I bring it back to small business? So I'll talk yeah. about our company. Mark set a pretty big aspirational goal for us. And I think it was really great and really motivational. And then we actually sat together as a team and said, okay, now what are we going to do to get there? And then we actually came back together and calibrated and said, okay, what's the reality here? But I, I do believe in the aspirational goal. Um, it's motivating. It, it, you might think it's demotivating, but actually to be part of something like that can be very motivating. And then as you're going back and working through it, and then you kind of calibrate it to what you're doing, that's the key. I think that you're not going to then give the team unrealistic goals based on the fact of their account plan. Um, but I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you're not aspirational, you become incremental in you your thinking. Do. And if you're incremental in your thinking, you don't go very far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I agree with that. I may have been a little hard on that, but I think the fact of the matter is that you, as a as an overall strategic goal, mm -hmm. you also set the aspirational goal, but also mm -hmm. recognize that a lot of stuff needs to happen. Yes. And you've got to be part of that, too. And you've got to be realistic. And maybe the goal somewhat changes a little bit. You know, we can get to that size, but it's a little bit different on how I thought we were going to be able to get there. I did that once before and it almost worked and then we got hit by the great depression and uh yeah so mm -hmm. well there was a famous military general who i don't recall the name of but i think he said something to the effect of that the battle plan is on track until the battle starts mm. and then it changes <laughs> <laughs> well that's where we found ourselves we had gone public and the stock was starting to grow in value. And I and, uh, said, all right, our goal is I'm going to get everybody focused on one thing. And I, I think the stock was at 25. And I'm going to say, all right, five years, I want that stock price to be 60 bucks mm. a share. And uh, we could have gotten there, you know. And um, But the economy hit us, and we yeah. had to backtrack a little bit. But it is what it is, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. You know what? We are at the end. I think we're at a point where you're going to have to have you back. So this, you have to come <laughs> back for number three. And you need to come okay. back, too, because we're starting to get into the challenges. and The people side, yeah. And I'll make sure we get you back on the calendar here real shortly. So, all right, talk, tell everybody about your book. This sounds like a great book everybody needs to read. Well, the book will be out in May. It's available for pre-order on Amazon right now. It is a pithy read. It's not a thick uh, boring business books, so lots of interesting mm -hmm. stories. We interviewed a lot of sales leaders, Good. heads of companies, heads of marketing. A lot of nightmare they, stories. They talk about how they yeah, do it and, and what went wrong and what went right. So Good. it's it's real experiences, and then it's boiled down into some lessons that you can use. So it's all about uh, action and, and how you can use this as a, as a field guide to make it happen. Okay, and then I guess the whole process or the uh, change concept is w woven through there as well, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know what? I, I'm just fascinated by the sales mm -hmm. process because you've got very typically, you know, everybody, everybody in a company is driven, obviously, but the uh, salespeople are a unique breed. Mm -hmm. And trying to get all those people on one, one team is an interesting goal. Yeah. And a ch challenge is all along the way, right? Mm hmm well, maybe next time we'll talk a bit more about the breeds of salespeople and our yeah. canine model from your uh, collies to your Dobermans. So there's sure. a whole whole set you've got to get to work together. And maybe match those people to the type of company you have, mm -hmm. too. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for coming back. 
Good to see you Thank again, you, Mark. Michelle, nice to meet you, and I'm sure Thank we'll you. see you all again. That's the show for today. I apologize for my nose. It's that kind of year, that time of year here in Atlanta, the pollen, et cetera. So anyway, that this has been On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X, presented by Embassy National Bank. You can enjoy the show again on or any of our other On the Money episodes. In fact, I listened to Mark's first show before I came on, and, and it, it's even better the second time around. So anyway, <laughs> you can listen to On the Money episodes uh, anytime by visiting onthemoney.businessradiox.com. Our shows are available on iTunes, and I know a lot of people that download them and uh, set them up and listen to them on the road. Good way to catch up on stuff. And you can also watch many of our episodes out there at uh, Business Radio X channel on YouTube, the Gwinnett Business Radio X channel on YouTube. So we appreciate you being a part of it, and uh, hopefully you've learned something and uh, you'll visit some other some other of our shows. So. That's it, and I'm Joe Moss for Embassy National Bank, and just remember, be careful out there. Leave fear in the back seat, and then I'm sure we'll get into this much more over time. Stay authentic. It's okay. Just be yourself. Just be yourself. That's what sells. So with that, we'll see you next time.